How many of you have a temper? How many have a temper, but you're not willing to admit it? There you go. How many had your temper go off last week sometime? How many felt like you were justified? How many of you have a hard time forgiving somebody? Let me ask it again. How many have a hard time forgiving someone? How many are selective in your forgiveness? So you think there are some that are deserving and some that are not, right? How many think you ought to forgive a person who you know maliciously hurt you? You ought to, you ought to, well, forget the oughta. How many have forgiven them? Oh, that's good. How many liars? (laughs) Here we go now. You stay with me, okay? I want to talk. It's uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's a wonderful portion of scriptures found in Matthew's Gospel fifth chapter and where your Beatitudes are located in verses 43 through 48 and then chapter 6, verse number 1. And we're going to talk about the subject matter, partners, um, love and forgiveness. They're partners. Love and forgiveness. Uh, someone has said, love is a little foolishness and a lot of curiosity. You agree or disagree? How many agree? little foolishness and a whole lot of curiosity. Two people agree. In the mouth of two or three, so it is. I don't need the whole bunch to raise your hand. The bar is really, really, really low. We find that the noted doctor had uh, listed several emotions. I mean, he spent quite a bit of time trying to determine what is it that causes disease that is not necessarily, you know, bacteria. And this is, this is what he came up with. He said, all right, let me give you the list of several emotions that produce disease and harm the human body. Number one, fear. He said, if you're a person that's afraid all the time, it will harm your body. Frustration. How many have that gift? The gift of frustration. There you go. Another rage. Another resentment. Hatred. Here's another jealousy. Jealousy. How many of you are jealous still of your husband's old girlfriend back in high school? If you are, you got a real problem, my friend. How about envy? Here's one that none of us have a problem with. That's why we've all taken the mirrors out of our houses. Self-centeredness. You know? How many primped before the mirror before you came to church? May I see your hand? Now, come on, be honest. I can tell some of you guys didn't, but (laughs) most all you ladies did. Self-centeredness. And the only antidote, here's what he says. The only antidote to these things that could, if it's embedded in your life, it becomes a part of your character, it then adversely affects your body, creating possibly high blood pressure, etc. He said the only antidote is love. Love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's all I know of that song. I'll stop there. Well, what is love? What are we going to say? What is love? Well, the clergy would come forward and say, bless God, everybody. Love is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whosoever should believe upon him should not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. That's love. What do you think? 
That's love. I'm going to preach for you to remember something, okay? John 3, 16. And whether the world believes it or not, it, talking about the culture, will declare its desire to see love in action front and center. I love you. Prove it. You say you love me? Prove it. Show me. Well, what does that mean? As if there is a mechanical effort that we can do that says, okay, I'm going to show you that I love you. I can count the ways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see, here's what Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is trying to declare and trying to get those individuals who were not trained in the record of Christian or Scripture that would relate to Christianity tied to the old law of legalism. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a brand new slate here that might help you in this relationship. Love in action. Here's a good story. One night a man came to our house and uh, he said, uh, there's a family with eight children and they've not eaten in, uh, in days. And he said, when that man shared that report, he said, I got some food and went down to that family and I saw on the little faces of those children, they were disfigured by hunger. There was no sorrow, no sadness in their faces, just a glaze in their eyes of the deep pain of hunger, which by the way, study carefully, one of the, the most painful deaths is to die of hunger. I don't have that problem. Said, I gave rice to the mother, lots of rice and other things to go with it. I watched her take that rice and the other things that I brought, and she cut it in half. And she went out the back door. I didn't know where she went. When she came back, I asked her, where did you go? She gave me a simple answer to my neighbors because they're hungry too. Show me that you love me. Count the ways that you love me. Loving your brother, but it's sharing what you desperately need sometime to give to other individuals. Jesus goes so far to say something that does not fit our culture at all. Hey, you love your enemies. You love your enemies. You love the person that you divorced. Oh, my Lord, Pastor, really? You see, if you don't get to where the rubber meets the road, you'll have a superficial love that will be selective and not the kind of love that is pure and holy. When we understand that, it's important. So here it is. Do you love, simple question, do you love your enemies? Would you say that with me? Do you love your enemies? Turn to your neighbor and say it. Do you love your enemies? And don't you dare go back. I don't have any enemies. Yes, you do. If you woke up this morning, which I hope most of you did, You've got enemies out there, somebody that doesn't like you. And let me say this to you. It's all right for people not to like you. Don't live your life expecting everybody to love you. And if everybody loves you, you ain't yard talk. You ain't doing nothing. So here we go. Jesus is teaching. Can you hear his voice? He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus takes off. He challenges the law of legalism. He's got those that are teachers of the law listening to him. Did I, did I hear what I think that I heard? Did you hear him say, 
You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Is that, is that, is, is that what he believes? That's, that's the law. That's the law of legalism. You see, the law that was practiced was diverse opposed to what Jesus was about to teach. It segregated the Jews from other people groups. It promoted prejudice. It condemned the non-believer. It raised the fellowship bearers. We have nothing to do with those people until they apologize to us. They did us wrong, and until they get it right, we are not. We are washing our hands of them. Oh, you got you got God's permission to do that, do you? Well, here it is. It creates disunity and promotes hatred. And we have enough hatred today to go around. It creates an atmosphere for condemnation. It also appealed to the lower nature of man. Jesus said in verse 47, he said, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? In other words, if you love the lovable, what are you doing any different than the heathen out there? Do you understand? That's what pagans do. Pagans do the same thing that you practice. They don't understand the power. The problem is that those that he's teaching to who were steeped in the law needed a new perspective that was based on grace and forgiveness, not love by legalism. I love you because I have to. Why well, wouldn't, don't you, wouldn't that be wonderful if a, a husband told his wife that? Listen, little woman, I love you because I have to. I gave your daddy a commitment, and I stood there with the vows before God and that preacher. And I said, I would love you till death do you part. I've thought about death several times, but I want you to know <laughs> that I made a commitment to love you, and, and that's why I'm going to love you. Let me ask you, lady, how would you feel about that? How would you feel about that? You love me because you have to? You don't love me because you're attracted to me. You don't love me because your heart is moved when you see me. You don't love me and love my company. Hello? You see, we understand that's real life. And we understand that in life, we love not by legalism, but we love, and it is called the power of commitment. Love is the power of commitment, not by willing and forceful desire. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, not because I'm forced to, not because I'm afraid not to love you, Jesus. But I love you because you mean the world to me. This parable provokes some questions for each of us. Here's a question Do I love my enemies? Do I love unconditionally? Under stress, does my prejudice show negatively toward other people groups? Is my love thin-skinned? Don't touch me. Is forgiveness easily given because of my love? I forgive you. Well, I do. I, I forgive after several days. What if you died? But I'm just not one of those that forgives real easily. You're not. What did you have to do for Jesus to give you forgiveness? One little prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You're forgiven. You say, but pastor, that, that's for Jesus. Do I practice love rather than revenge or hate? Which is easier for you, practicing love or revenge or hate? 
I can tell you what carnal nature, carnal nature says revenge and hate will jump all over it before a person has a desire to create forgiveness. Do I try to justify my lack of forgiveness? But you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what I went through. And you don't hear many people asking you what you went through, do you? But you don't understand how bad they hurt me. Pastor, you're just not being reasonable. I'm, I'm just telling you what the book says. Because remember this morning, if you make your mind up, I'm going to run a marathon. And all other decisions bow down in your life to you getting in shape to run that marathon if they don't all bow down, you will be a confused person, unstable in all your ways. So if you give yourself permission not to forgive, you give yourself conditional permission to be conditional in your love relationship. If you give yourself an out as it relates to forgiveness, you will never live the way Jesus desires for you to live. And you know who will suffer in the end? You will be the victim of someone's revenge on you. And may you pray that it is not God. Number two, do I imitate Jesus? Have you ever had anybody say to you, you think you're Jesus, don't you? Anybody ever said that to you? I've had a couple of people tell me that. You think you're Jesus, don't you? No, but he's my brother. You think you're Jesus. Matthew 5, 45 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So the focus of Jesus' sermon is upon grace, grace, forgiveness, mercy, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and peace. You see, he wanted all barriers to be broken down and declared that all men are created equal in the sight of God and whosoever means just that. Everybody has a right to be at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ if they have repented of their sins and he loves you even while you are yet sinners. And Jesus says that once you get the right perspective once you understand what gift it is to be able to love and to be able to forgive and to be able to show mercy and be able to show grace, he said, here's what will happen. You will learn that there is beauty in loving your enemies. I have taught in ministry, you know this, before anything that might happen, always treat people the same way you treated them before the offense occurred. I told Sharon that. I've told our kids that. Our family, always treat people. Don't run. Don't hide. Always treat people the same way that you treated them before they hurt your feelings, before they cussed you out, before they called you a name, before they said you were a jerk, before they said you were a hypocrite. Here's what I've learned. There's freedom in agreeing with them. Yep. Of all the jerks you've known, I'm probably one of them. What are they going to say now? Hello? Of all the hypocrites? Look at me. I'm, I'm, hey, all the hypocrites you've ever met, I'm probably one of them. Now what you're going to do? It makes it easier to love them. You see what I'm saying? It's easier to forgive them. 
But this is what, this is what he's saying. He says, you have the right perspective and pray for those. When you invest in prayer in people that you have a problem with, those who persecute you, those that abuse you, those that manipulate you, and those that frustrate and anger you. So here's what Paul writes in Romans 12, verse number 20. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he is thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Repeat, don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing what? Good. By doing good. So how do you feel when somebody butts ahead of you in line? That happened to me this past week. How many of you know there are just certain little pet peeves <laughs> that we all have that, I mean, it just, mm. anybody? Well, pastor, how did you respond? I did a couple things. I remembered who I was. I remembered how many people knew me. And then I remembered finally that I am a child of God. <laughs> Probably, no, in that order. you got to have some leverage. Everybody know what I'm talking about? It's unbelievable. I was at a restaurant the other day. Well, not a restaurant. It's a walk-up deal. What's the name on the order? I said, Elvis. <laughs> no, it's not. I thought, yes, it is. It's Elvis. He said, no, you're my pastor. <laughs> I said, Pastor Elvis here. <laughs> Where's Priscilla? <laughs> but if you understand in life, it frustrated and anger you. Here's what Paul says. Our scriptures tell us to your enemy to buy them lunch. And if he's thirsty, get him a drink. That's what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. And they've not been trained. They've not been discipled. They've not been taught that. Jesus desired that those who proclaimed him, all right, you proclaim me as your Redeemer. You proclaim me as your Lord and as your Savior. He said, I want you to reflect my character. Now, I admit, this message is not going to cause you to change, just lickety-split, just like that. But it takes messages like this to remind us of the straight and narrow, amen? If we're not kind of brought in line once in a while and say, you know what, I don't need to run my mouth so much. I don't need to get so angry. I don't need to be so critical. I don't need to murmur so much. I need to learn to forgive. And all of us know that many people in this room and those of you listening right now online, you have some people that they just get under your skin. And you'll probably see them tomorrow. Hopefully you don't go to bed with them tonight. Our text reveals that God's love is so great and all-encompassing that he says, I'll tell you what I do, it rains on the just and the unjust. He said, it rains on good and it rains on evil. And Paul says, but let me tell you why. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. The true test 
If you're a son or daughter of the Father, it's found in the way you exemplify that love, especially to those who are hard to love. When you pick that person and say, that's the person, that is the focus, that's, that's the person, God, if, um, if you're taking names about the next load to be absent from this planet, I have two names I'd like to give you. Just two. It's not two people that you adore, that you love, that you appreciate, that's been good to you. It would be two people that you'd say, you know what, my life would be a whole lot easier if they were not in the picture. Hopefully you're not married to them. Everybody with me? So here it is. A young soldier fighting a battle in World War II. Do you remember the enemy in World War II? The Japanese. His father put him on a train and waved goodbye. He was headed off to war. His father waved one last time and turned with bitter tears in his eyes. And he said, if my son is killed, I hope every Jap in the world is killed. Wow. That's a human reaction. If my son that I love is killed, I hope every Jap in the world is killed. The problem was the father was a Christian. And it made it difficult for him to feel that way in reality. Because the statement that he stated did not fit what he believed as a redeemed person through Jesus Christ. That worked on him until the day came. And he had that fierce struggle with himself and finally realized that it was not Christian to hate anyone, even those who might take his son's life. Oh, he prayed that his son would not be harmed. It was about a year later. He said, I will not hate. I choose not to hate anyone, even the person who might kill my son. A year later, his son was killed. Sooner or later, the father got the insurance money off his son's life. It was $10,000. The true story says the father didn't really need the $10,000 as in real need. So he sent it to the Southern Baptist Foreign Missions Board designated for its mission to the Japanese people. That father had the character that's found in 1 Corinthians 13. And he practiced it in reality. We know Valentine's is coming up. Hopefully you're kind to that person that you love. Be kind to the person that you don't love. That'd be important. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, just a few of those, love never, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others 
grovel, takes pleasure in the flourishing of truth and puts up with anything. Puts up with anything. It trusts God always, always looks for the best and never looks back, but keeps going to the end. There's no way that father could justify his statement with his belief system in Christ. And his statement had to change and fall in line with the unity of what he said. I'm a Christian. I love my enemies. Number three, do you have the right motive? I love you because I have to. Is that the right motive? Uh-uh, you can keep your flowers on Valentine's. That's the way you feel. Keep your candy if that's the way you feel. No, lady, don't do that. Take those flowers. Take that candy. Anything's better than nothing. You with me? Give them M&Ms. Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. You're going to think of somebody right now when I say this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus states to his listeners, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, strive for a higher standard than you think possible. And the first step to accomplishing that is to believe that, number one, you can go higher, that you can love your enemies, that you can have grace, that you can have mercy, that you can do better. That's step number one. He speaks to the heart about the motive of all the efforts of serving God. Well, I went to church today, chalk that one off. Pastor, be proud of me. I chalk it off. I went to church today. Why not go to church? Because you say, I'm so in love with Jesus, I can't stay away from his house. I'm so in love with my brothers and sisters down at Victory Church. I want to fellowship with them. I want all that God can give me. Simply said, here are the points. Don't do what you do so man could see or applaud. Don't do what you do for conviction alone. I ought to do it. It's the right thing to do. I guess I'll do it. Don't do it without true affection. Don't do it without purpose of heart. Don't do it out of fear or self-advantage. Jesus is saying, I want you to drill down into deep love for the Father that provides and impacts individuals so greatly that it will exemplify the love because you can't do otherwise. You do it because you can't do otherwise. Listen, friend, I have shared with you over and over to accomplish some of these things. You will have to learn to program your brain to have different tracks that go out into oblivion somewhere. Don't let evil tag you. Put it on a train and push the button and send it out there and don't ever let it come back. Amen? And understand this. When you chase rabbits on rabbit trails, be sure that you're chasing a rabbit that's going to bring back rabbit stew. Don't chase a rabbit you're never going to catch that's only going to bring you harm. Don't waste your time. You can hate and hate and hate and hate and hate and hate. You know what the problem is? Many people don't even know that you hate them. And if they found out you did, they wouldn't care. 
I know this is good preaching. I know it is. I'm just telling you. A young man worked for a lumber merchant, a lumber company. And he got to that place, he thought, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. And he went down the road, probably five miles, and he started his own lumber company. The company that he worked at, and he left, of course, was a saged company. The owner had been there for many, many years, was a person of integrity and they had a great book of business, but this young man was energetic, and I'm, I'm telling you, he said, I'm going to build me a business. I'm going to build a success. I'm going to teach the company down the road there what it means to really get on the ball again. Now, the company down there blessed him while he was an employee. And, buddy, he is going for it. He's going after the customers of the company that he left. Many of them are signing up. He's giving them just a little bit better deal on his lumber. And he's doing well now. He's got more orders than he can fill. Life is good. Can't get any better than this. And one night he got a call from the police department and said, you need to get down to your business. Right away there's a fire. He drove up and he saw his whole lumber yard up in flames. The next morning and smoke still simmering. His office was off-site of the lumber itself, and he went to his office and he said, now, what am I going to do? I've got all these lumber contracts of builders who are going to need lumber, and I've signed the contracts to deliver them the lumber on this date and this date and this date. At about 1.30 after lunch, he looked out and saw the gentleman that he once worked for. He thought, oh, Lord, he's coming to gloat. He knows I took some of his business. He's going to gloat for sure. The older man walked in and said, son, how are you doing? He said, well, all my lumber's gone. All my inventory's gone. He said, well, that's why I came down here. I know the business, son. I've been proud of your growth. We both have done pretty good. I remember my heyday when I was your age. But he said, I'm grateful to God that never did a fire destroy my inventory. So if you'd like, I've got plenty of lumber. You can use some of my lumber from my place to fill your orders. And you can pay me for that lumber when you get back on your feet. That young man must have sat there and thought how many times he mouthed off about beating the old company. How many times he mouthed off to the to the book of business that he stole from the guy that he used to work with he must have thought about well i knew this man was a person of integrity but i've never dreamed in a million years that he would come down here and offer me the use of his inventory 
If he hadn't have said the last part, he could have thought, yeah, I know what he wants to do. He's got lumber stacked up he needs to get rid of. But because the older gentleman said, and I'll tell you what, and you can pay me when you get back on your feet. That young man began to weep. He got up. He apologized to the older guy and said, thank you. You're saving my business. The enemy was running to and fro, creating havoc, creating fires, creating hurt feelings, creating disparity, creating divisions and disunity in businesses and community and churches and marriages. But there is one whose spirit is the spirit of the older man. And his name is Jesus. And he said, I just came by tonight to let you know that I still love you. And the many times that I have witnessed you lose it, and the many times I've heard you talk about those that have hurt you, and the many times you behaved in a way that did not reflect your professing love for me, I tolerated you. I could have called judgment on you, but I didn't. Because I saw ahead and saw the day would come that you would have an opportunity to understand what it really means to love unconditionally and what it really means to forgive and what it really means to have grace and mercy. And he says, behave in a way that reflects now who I am in your life. You see, if we practice that, how beautiful is that? When we have the right perspective, we love our enemies. When we embrace the character of Jesus Christ, and when we have the right motive, God is pleased and honored because we lift his name up. And may I encourage you, if there's somebody you need to apologize to, why not do that? If there's somebody you need to set the record straight with, why not do that? Why carry that grudge? Why carry that judgment? Why carry that? And I can tell you how you know what you ought to do. And it's this. If you're convicted right now, that's God saying, that's what you need to do. Well, what if they don't, what if they don't accept it? Leave that up to God. Just do your part. And if there's someone that you need to give forgiveness to, don't wait. Let them know you love them. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? Put your hands together if you can. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. I'm going to forgive you for such a pitiful hand clap. I hope God does. You probably ought to do better than that. Amen. There you go. 
There you go. My life and my ministry, I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of opportunities to really just say, God, why do I stay in ministry? You know, it's all about people. But you know what? I love people. How about you? And I've learned, you just, some people, you expect their behavior. I said that to someone just today. That's the way they are. Cut them some slack. You know, I'm not going to say they don't know any better, but that's, that's what you expect out of them. So why are you going to get upset if they're behaving the way that you know they will behave? Hello? They will behave. That's just the way it is. So you know what you do when you do that? You put that on a track and you just send it out there. Say, God, that's, that's your problem, not mine. Just, just If you hang on to that stuff, it'll hurt you. So I'm going to pray and ask you to repeat this prayer with me right now. Here we go. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I stand before you, stand before you naked, and filled with truth naked and filled with truth in my spirit. In my spirit. I, pray your presence I pray your presence will overwhelm me, will overwhelm me. And that my heart will overflow with the power of love and forgiveness. I don't want to be angry at anyone. I don't want to harbor feelings that are not good for my life in you. I want to be an open book. I want to love everybody. And I do not want to give myself an excuse to hate anyone through the power of resentment and bitterness. So, Lord, I'm asking you to touch me. My life will be transformed. Forgive me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen? Yeah, I feel better praying that prayer myself. Don't you? Don't let anybody get to you leaving the parking lot tonight. Don't let anybody get to you over the strawberry shortcake deal. There's plenty for you. Okay? Don't get angry if someone gets the one you were going to get if you'd have got there first. That's right. That's the way it is. If you need prayer, here's what I know. Please, if you need prayer, you know who you are. Well, we all need prayer. Sure, we sure do. But at times like this, the Holy Spirit speaks to some and says, no, I'm talking specifically to you. I want you to respond. I want someone to agree with you about a particular need that you have. I want you to respond to that altar. And if that's you, you just take a moment and you slip down here. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. They're going to worship. Amen. They're going to worship. But while others may be making their exit that way, you slip down and these people are going to stay. Worship will continue another five minutes. Okay. Is that, is that okay? Good. 100%. So, Father, over in the other building, is a group of people who gave yesterday and today. They cored out strawberries that were fresh. They cut them up. 
and they gave a good portion of yesterday and then this afternoon to prepare enough dessert of strawberries and shortcake and whipped cream and strawberry juice and all that goes with it just to serve others we pray your blessing upon them we pray and thank you for Kelly Blackburn and her team and the girls ministry and others God we pray that your hand of favor would rest on them and we want to enjoy our fellowship together this is our moment to fellowship with our brother and sister in the Lord and God it's a great way if we don't have an appointment in the emergency room let us go fellowship together now and we'll give you praise and honor in Christ's name bless the food amen now there is a donation because it's free to you church paid for it but the girls ministry said it pastor will you let us take a donation for it so if you go over there see that donation box and if you can give something and if you can't turn to your neighbor and say you love me you got it amen i love you everybody you need to get in the altar come on god bless you out that door right there